Oh, Lonnie's more to him than just that pretty face. <laughs> this morning, I'll invite your attention to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to read uh, several verses today. We're going to get on into Mark 3 and read through uh, 3 6. But really, our message today is going to be in chapter 2 through 20, 23 through 28. The Sabbath skirmish. I don't know, it's the best I could come up with, all right? Today, I want to welcome you to Trace Creek Church. I've got the balcony for the most part. I missed over in here. Uh, But welcome you today. Glad that you're here worshiping with us. And uh, thank God that he's given us this opportunity uh, to be together today. So today in Mark chapter 2, look in verse number 23. Bible says this, and it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him? How he went to the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. He stretched forth it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for this time to come, to open up your word and allow your spirit to speak to our hearts today. God, we need you to meet with us. We need you. God, to do the work inside of us because we know that, that I can't, that nobody else, no man can change lives, can speak to the heart. Lord, today we desire that you would do that. And God, I know across this country today the gospel's being preached and God, we desire for you to work today. We desire to see, God, a revival a move that only you can produce. God, this country is sin sick, that we as a people, that I, that we all have need to draw closer to you today. So Lord, I ask that you would do that very thing to draw us nearer, nearer to you. And for those men preaching today, I pray that you would fill them up with your spirit and use them for your honor and for your glory. In this place, there would be spirit-filled preaching, and there would also be spirit-filled listening. 
So Lord, may we cherish this time today. And God, may we sit and soak up what you would have for us with great anticipation. Pray for the children as they meet this morning. God, that you would speak through their little lives. And Lord, just nurture that relationship with you. Lord, for that day and that time when they make you Lord and Savior of their life. God, we need your help. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today introduces us to one of uh, Jesus' maybe lesser known titles, and that's Lord of the Sabbath. And so he gives that self-description of himself as he speaks to these Pharisees. And that self-description, that title, being Lord of the Sabbath, brought him into great conflict uh, with the Pharisees and inevitably uh, that they would butt heads one against another. Why? Because these Pharisees, that they were little more than religious pretenders, really. That they had everything going on on the outside and they were empty as they could be on the inside. And that's all they had was what they could produce in their own flesh and in their own works. When Jesus said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, that it became very explosive in their minds because that Sabbath day was their day to shine. It was their day to put on display uh, all their piety and all their superficial holiness uh, that they wanted everybody to be very much aware of. And you see their religiosity, if that's a word, I'm going to use it today, we're going to coin it if it's not. Religiosity, that they had had it all about them, that they glowed, they had an aura about them. And not in a good sort of way, but in a bad sort of way. They had on display all that they could muster up. And yet that God, that he had made this a day of rest and reverence. And they had made it a day of stifling legalism. They couldn't enjoy the day. You couldn't rest. You couldn't even worship with all of the, uh, the taxing demands that they had placed upon mankind. But you know, Jesus, he wasn't into their head games. He wasn't into their fakeness, into the phoniness of their lives. That he hit it head on. He wasn't ashamed to do so. See, the pattern for the Sabbath day, that it was set at creation as God himself, that he rested. And then the pattern being set then, and then the words were set in stone on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, where God said that my people are to have a day that's set aside for me. A Sabbath day, and the word Sabbath, it means to rest, it means to cease. That God did that, that he ceased from his labors. And that's what he uh, intended for mankind to do, for his people to do, to set aside a time that would be strictly for, for them to soak up who he was and to replenish and to refurbish their very bodies. But over the next uh, hundreds of years, that the religious people, these Pharisees, that they compiled an exhaustive list of things that people could and they could not do on the Sabbath day. There were some 39 uh, major headings on what you could not do, and each of those 39 major headings were divided into all sorts of different subheadings, 
of lesser ways that you could be offensive uh, to God. I have to believe that maybe as they started it, they probably had and maybe had, I don't know, maybe had some good intentions. But it developed into something that was very evil. It became something that was an idol uh, to those people. And so it became offensive to God. So they thought that they could really attain God's approval. And maybe more importantly, they could gain man's attention by the things that they did or the things that they did not do. So anything that was considered work of any kind, uh, that it was strictly forbidden and that there were rules and regulations that were put on everything. For example, and I have some things written down here, there was to be no bathing, no cooking, no picking up objects heavier than a fig. Ladies, don't try to put on any jewelry or don't even look in the mirror because those are things that you could not do on the Sabbath day. No one could travel more than 3,000 feet from your home on the Sabbath day. And they got, this is where they got to, that they would string cords and ropes from house to house so that they could say that those houses were connected and they could travel from house to house that contained those ropes and they would say that did not count so that you could travel from one end to the other without it counting and then add on your 3,000 steps. Now for most of us, we struggle today to get in our 3,000 steps, right? But yet that's where they found themselves at. You know, and you and I, we do. We consider it uh, laughable, the things that they uh, put in place in their life and rules and regulations and whatnot. No, you and I today, we may not think that those things are really all that important that we talked about here, like cutting an orange in two to be able to pack it. But we all have our little things, our religious things that we think that are very important to God, and in essence, they may not be all that important to Him. Things that we want to do to convince people that we are right with God. Churches that sometimes we establish Things that we say, well, everybody's got to do this or everybody's got to do that. And here's the thing, at the end of the day, when we have that, that we, re- we reduce our relationship with God to a simple list of do's and don'ts. And if that's all we have, and make, make no mistake about it, that's all some people have. That is a miserable way to live. That's a miserable existence. That's no relationship at all. It's simply following a checklist. And so God puts it on display here, I think, that we're to be very much aware that even though these people were well-respected in many aspects of the Word, and yet in the eyes of God, they failed to live up. They failed to live up to what God had wanted them to have. Yes, God desires and God expects for you and I 
as believers to live a life of holiness and righteousness and one that pleases and honors Him? Yes, absolutely yes. But it must not be simply by us saying, yes, we've done this and no, we haven't done this, that our life is to be the overflow of a genuine love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be more than rules. Now, talk about the Sabbath day and chapter 2 and chapter, the beginning of chapter 3 is about the Sabbath day. You know, uh, you and I, that we are no longer, uh, we're no longer under uh, the Sabbath restrictions, so to speak, but yet we see in the New Testament that the church always observed the Lord's day. A day that was set aside for him. Why? We well, set aside Sunday, the Lord's day. The Sabbath day was Saturday, but the Lord's day is Sunday. And that we do that, why? Because our Lord resurrected from the grave on Sunday. And so Sunday is to be a celebration of the resurrected Lord. That Sunday for the church it was when the uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came there on a Sunday. And we see that he officially birthed the church, so to speak, out into this world. And so another reminder that Sunday is not like any other day on our calendar, but it is the Lord's day and just in a very similar fashion as in the Sabbath day, that the Lord's day is not for us to simply do what we want to do, but it's a day of, of rest, it's a day of refreshment, it's a day of coming and worshiping and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ for saving our souls. That's what a Sunday is. That's what it's all about. Say, well, Sunday's my only day. No, it's not yours. It's not mine. It's the Lord's day. It's His day. And so that everything that we do, that it should revolve around the fact that God has saved us, that God has given us all that we stand in need of in Him. But here today, I have a few things that I want us to think about we consider this Sabbath day skirmish. And if you'll allow me to look back here, I think I hear water running. I was just making sure that it wasn't pouring over the baptistry, okay? But I think I hear it. I'm not positive. But any, we'll find out later, all right? <laughs> the Sabbath skirmish. In verse number 23, we see the Sabbath incident. The Sabbath incident. And then in verse 24, we see the sinful implication. The sinful implication. In 25 and 26, we see the scriptural illustration. The scriptural illustration. And then lastly, the Savior, in verse 27 28, the Savior's interpretation. Two of those are original, two of those are stolen. All right, just so you know that. But I think it speaks well of what the text is about. Here that this Sabbath day incident in verse number 23 it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. Maybe your translation says the grain fields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. Now, um, in, in primitive agrarian societies where they're just farming and they're, they're just scratching out a living uh, by, by the ground, uh, 
we see this was common, that, that even around, right around their very houses, that they had cornfields, grain fields, whether it be corn or whether it be wheat or whether it be barley or whatever. And it even happens today. I know that the time when I was in uh, Guatemala, I know that when I was in Mexico, that that was still the case. That we, when we were in Guatemala a couple years ago, we, we built a house right in the middle of a cornfield. All right, right there in the middle of it. And so that, that's just how life was. And we might not can, you know, really picture that, but, but there would be paths, there would be little roadways and walkways where people would just go right through these cornfields and from house to house, and that would be how they got around. It was as normal as normal could possibly be. You know, and you see now that Jesus and his disciples were traveling along those paths, and these Pharisees that... I guess from their roped together houses that they saw, they saw what was going on and they saw that these uh, disciples of Jesus, that they were picking uh, some grain as they walked through and they took, great, uh, they took great offense at it because they were doing it on the Sabbath day. Now, I don't, I don't really think that any of the farmers here would really appreciate if you and I went through and just started picking some of their corn just because. I don't think they'd appreciate it too much. But you know that God allowed that in the law that he gave his people. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 23, look in verse 24 and 25 there, that there was the provision that you could go through and you couldn't put a sickle to it and just harvest it all like it was yours, but that was completely okay to gather a little something to eat from the fields. That seems a little strange to us that we wouldn't care for that, but it was completely legal. It was completely all right, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23. And Luke goes on to say that after they picked it, they rubbed it, they rubbed it in their hands. And so it sounds maybe not like the corn that we would understand, as King James tells us, but probably more of a grain like a, a wheat or a barley, maybe. that You know how a, a wheat husk surrounds that, corn, that kernel, and they would do this and separate that, that husk and that kernel there, and they were doing those things, and Why? Because Matthew 12, 1 tells us, and they were and hungered. That's what Matthew tells us. Now today, as I've walked around, I've got several comments on my steak that I had for Valentine's Day. All right? That Mel posted it and that you acknowledged that it was quite a substantial hunk of meat there. All right? And all I could say is that I was a hungered. All right? You know, that natural part of life. And these guys, that know, who, who knows what all the day had entailed for them and that they were just grabbing a snack for the day that just a natural way of doing things. And then 24, the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Now, so I said, these, these guys, that they were the keepers of the law, that they uh, kept it to the nth degree, and I don't know, obviously they, 
they were, you know, doing a little bit of work themselves on spying on Jesus, I would say, but they had found some way to get around that. But whatever the case, they saw Jesus and his disciples as they were uh, traversing through the fields there and they were picking that grain and they were separating that husk from the grain and they were eating it right there on the spot and it was something that was contrary to the rules. It was something that was contrary uh, to what they had established as being permissible and permittable on a Sabbath day that was supposed to be holy unto God. Now, this, remember, this wasn't transgressing God's law. It was transgressing man's law. It was transgressing the Pharisees and what they felt like was okay. That they had gone beyond what God had said. In Matthew chapter 15, in verse number 3, Jesus said, Why do you transgress the law of God by your traditions? That the Pharisees, that they were quick to go beyond what the law of God had set out and had uh, stipulated as good. And they, had, they thought they had a better idea than what God had. And sometimes we find ourselves in that same shape, that we have our own rules for living that we feel like are the right way. They even go beyond what God has mandated in our life, and we expect everybody else to live up to our expectations. And yet, they haven't transgressed the law of God. So according to the Pharisees, that these people, these disciples that they had that they had gone in and they were reaping. They had gone in and they were threshing. They had gone in and they prepared a meal for themselves. Just by them picking that grain, they have, they have transgressed the law in three different ways. Man, that wasn't very much, it wasn't a good example for them to set, was it? Not according to the Pharisees, it wasn't. But yet, these Pharisees that they were good about keeping the law, and yet their heart was hard, and their heart was cold, and they were totally unconcerned about the real, tangible needs of people. And really, that's the heart of it all. That we, as people who claim to be followers of Christ, that we in our life, that we can cross every T and dot every I, that we can live a life, you know, where we, you know, there's no, uh, no hair touching the top of our ears and our skirts dragging the floor and all these things that we try to live by and say, oh, we're good people. And yet that our heart can be cold and callous toward real life needs in people's lives. Somebody can be hungry and hurting all around us and we not, and our hearts not be bothered one bit by it and we just keep trucking and living in our own way and disregard people around us and he says oh that's sickening Jesus was not impressed by it and through it all they showed their hardness toward others they showed their hatred toward the Lord Jesus Christ and what does Jesus say in verse 25 and 26 he said unto them have you never read what David did when he had need and was a hungered he and that were they that were with him, 
how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. Now this meek and lowly Jesus had no time for stupidity. He didn't. He would hit it head on. Every time you see that he, he doesn't tolerate it well. And sometimes I take great delight in that. But you know, he says, have you never read? Now that was a rhetorical question. That Jesus didn't need an answer to that. He's simply getting his point across. Because Jesus knew very well that they had read it. These Pharisees, that they had been all in the Word of God, that they had read it over and over again. They had committed it to their very memory. They knew the facts, but they didn't know the truth. They didn't know the guiding principles of the Word of God, and it makes no difference. You can quote it from cover to cover, but if it does not translate into life change, the Word has done you no good. For me and for you, if I get up here and preach about it and don't practice it, what good is it? And the same for all of us. And it is so easy. It's so easy for us to come and to learn and to never to look out beyond the four walls of a church. But God has called us to something better. God has called us to something different than these Pharisees lived in their life. May God help me. May God help you that we will be more, that we'll be better than a bunch of Pharisees in 2020. But there will be the practicality of the God that we serve, that he lives out, lives in and through us day in and day out. And he ministers to those that we come in contact with. The incident that Jesus refers to with David comes from 1 Samuel 21 and verse 1 through 6 there. That David, that he is fleeing Gibeah there from Saul. Saul is out after him. That Saul is very much uh, desiring to kill him. And that David and his men, that they are fleeing for their life. They don't have anything with them, nothing to eat. And they find themselves hungry. They come to the tabernacle that is found there in Nob. And as they go there, that they ask the priest for something to eat. And he says, hey, there's nothing here but this showbread. Nothing here but this bread. This bread that was placed on that golden table there in the holy place. That bread that represented and was symbolic. Twelve pieces of bread actually. Symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel presented before God. And so if you read on that you find that these 12 loaves after a week, they would be replaced by another 12 loaves. And only the priest was allowed to eat that bread. That was what God had prescribed. That's what God desired and he had purpose for all that. But, but, recognizing human need superseded what seemed like the logical thing to do. That, you know, would not simply to abide by the rules, 
but to minister people where God had them at. To minister to people who were in need. The priest allowed David and his men to eat this bread. And nowhere do you find that God reprimanded or corrected either David or the priest. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to say that neither one of them, David nor the priest, that they were reprimanded by God. And he says that God made it evident that he is more concerned about human need, that he is more concerned about practically living out our faith than he is about a rule. And so for you and I, yes, yes, that God has, God has a way that he desires us to live. But yet in the midst of all that, that our lives best glorify God when we reflect his nature and his character by showing his love to hurting and to helpless humanity. And see, that's hard for us to kind of get our mind around because it's easier for us to live by the law than it is by the leading of the Spirit of God. And yet he says that we're to be people who are being led by the Spirit of God, that we are to be people of compassion, that we are to be people of love and mercy and tenderness and all these things always trumps rules and always trumps the rituals when we see people that are in real need. And so, what a great picture we see. Jesus says if it was okay for the priest to operate by that, he says even more so, it's okay for me to operate like that. And if it was right and good for the priest to operate like that, then it is even more right and more good for Jesus to operate like that. Now, in Matthew's account of this, in Matthew chapter 12, in verse uh, 5 and 6, that Jesus says, and while, while we're on the subject, he says, don't forget that the priest that minister in the temple during the Sabbath day, they're working their guts out all day long that they're offering sacrifice, that they're lighting the lamps, they're taking care of all of these different things. He says, why? Because of necessity. He says, sometimes necessity requires us to do things that we might not necessarily think is exactly like we think it should be, but out of necessity. That God gave grace for the moment. And he thought, he said it was okay for them to do that in the moment. You know what? It's hard for us to operate in the gray. We like it black or white. You know, sometimes life doesn't give us that. Now, when I was younger, I was pretty sure everything was black and white. And in my mind, it was. And Brother Bob, you're laughing because you know it's true, right? In my mind, everything was black and white. But the older you get... And the more circumstances that you find yourself in, every now and then, there's some gray area. And when you're in that gray area, that we operate on love and mercy. And I don't, you know, I, like I said, I don't like the gray. But unfortunately, you find yourself in that. 
And when you do, they operate in love and mercy. Look at the Savior's interpretation of this in 27 and 28. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now God never intended for his ways, God never intended for his statutes and for the things that he set in place to cause people to stumble over love and mercy and kindness. That was never the intention. Never was. And he tells us that the Sabbath was made for man. He says, not, not that the Sabbath, not that I needed this. You needed it. We need it. It's for our benefit. The intent of the Sabbath was so that we could be refreshed in our soul. That we could be made whole. That there was a resetting in our life. Once a week, there was a resetting, there was a regathering of ourselves. We worship so that we would rest, be recharged for the week to come. And that's always been God's intention. It was never for the Sabbath day to become a burden. Never. And yet that is what the Pharisees took from it. And that's what the Pharisees had made it to be. In Matthew chapter 12 there, in this parallel text, 12-7, Jesus quotes from Hosea 6-6. He says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You see that Jesus, that he grabbed that Old Testament verse there to remind us that the desire of God is that always that we operate in love and mercy more than he needs a sacrifice. God does not need one thing that you and I can give him. He has need of nothing. So when you and I, when we, when we try to offer him something, yes, that's well and good, but he doesn't need a thing. We need the opportunity. And we need the opportunity to show God's love. And you and I, that as we live, that we need the opportunity to show God's love to hurting and a dying and a messed up and a wrecked people. They need it. Sometimes we need it. And if all, of we, all we have is coming to church, if all we have is doing this, 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 and this, oh my goodness, we're miserable. We're missing the point. There's so much more to this. We live in a time when people don't see the point. Why bother? Why bother with church? Why bother with faith? Why bother with the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? Because they have not seen in us anything of this love and mercy and compassion and kindness and practicality to our faith. All they seen in us was a bunch of people that were concerned about following some stinking rules. How inviting is that? Not very, is it? Work's got enough rules for you. Your husband's got enough rules for you. Your wife's got enough rules for you. Yeah. 
Oh, Paul still hadn't learned it, has he? You see, Christ came for something more than that. He came so he'd live a life that's full of God's love, God's compassion, His mercy in practical ways and more than stinking rules that some man can come up with or some church can try to put over us. It's not about that, it's more. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Being in love with him and getting in this book and learning more and more of who he is and the mercy and the grace and the nature of God that we have been the beneficiary of, that we have been the recipient of grace. And my goodness, since we have been grace, should not we be the first to show grace? Do we deserve it? No! And the people that we show it to on Monday, it's not because they deserve it. It's because they need it. So friends, we need to take an account of our life. Not be like the Pharisees and giving people what they deserve. We need to operate by the grace of God that's been extended to us and knowing that was never the intention of God in order to get even and to Give people what they deserve. Thank God he doesn't give me what I deserve. But day by day and moment by moment, he operates in grace. And so that you and I, our salvation necessitates that we live a life full of love and grace and mercy. One that is practical and one that is for the moment Yes, our life should be different. Yes, that you should look at how I live and there be no question that I should not do anything in my life that should make anybody stumble. But thank God I'm not confined to rules. Not your rule or nobody else's rule. I'm to live by the rule of God's love in my life. And may that dictate my life and may it dictate your life in some real practical ways. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this great example that Jesus Christ himself gave us. God, I pray that we would see ourselves in our own life and not not be concerned about somebody else right now, but be concerned about ourselves. And Lord, being able to flesh that out and Lord, to make that, make that practical. And Lord, we as human beings, that's hard to do. Struggle for me and I'm assuming it is for everybody else as well. So God, thank you for taking time today. Taking time in your word to put, put this text in. And God, I, I know that it's hard It's hard just to put it out there like it ought to be in our lives sometimes and get real with you. But God, I pray that right now today that we would get real with ourselves and get real with you. And God, that you would show us and that you would teach us what it is to really follow you, what it is to be a child of God and for it to impact our everyday life. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be here with these people today. And God, may we make the most of it. 
for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together this morning. We'll sing an old familiar song, I Surrender All. As we sing that today, I trust that you can sing it from your heart and mean it as you sing it. What a great day this would be for some of us to surrender it all. Just to give it to Him. Quit trying to do it on our own. And give it to Him and allow Him to allow Christ to live through us. Moment by moment, day by day. I'll be here to pray with you and help you in any way that I can. Maybe you have a neighbor say, will you come pray with me? Maybe it's just something between you and the Lord today. That's okay too. But as He has spoken to you, pray that you'll respond to Him. Brother Mike, lead us as we sing. I surrender all. Let's we'll sing it together. God's spoken to your heart today, and uh, His speaking is not contingent upon my invitation. And so as God has spoken to you today, I pray that throughout this day that you'll have a heart that's sensitive and tender to the thing that He speaks to you about. And throughout this day and throughout the course of these upcoming weeks that God will bring life transformation Change your heart and change my heart.